The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me on Psych Up Live. Today we have a very important show. We're going to be speaking about embracing life after cancer, the journey you never expected to take. Our guest today is Joel Evans, who is a returning guest to Psych Up Live, but this is a very different show than his earlier shows on self-branding in the workplace or a closer look at how connected we are to the online world. Today, Joel will be drawing upon his new book, Surviving Cancer and Embracing Life, My Personal Journey, which describes his battle with pancreatic cancer and the life changes that resulted. It is available free, and we'll be telling you about that. Now, I want you to know that Dr. Evans is a distinguished professor in the Zorb School of Business at Hofstra University. He has 25 editions of college textbooks and has written dozens of articles. But he feels the book he'll be speaking about today is his most important. Joel Evans, it is my pleasure to welcome you back to Psych Up Live. Thank you. I am really glad to be back, and I hope that people find Uh, my journey to be of interest and maybe some comfort to them. Great. Um, So let's start. At what point in this journey, Joel, did you decide to write a book? Um, I guess I have been trying, I've, I've been doing some volunteer work and I've written some blog posts and I had started a blog, uh, on, uh, living well with cancer and at that point, I decided that I really wanted to uh, to share as much of my experiences as I could, both related to cancer and to, you know, previous stuff, in the hope of trying to provide inspiration. As I write in the book, I, I feel like Lou Gehrig, who, who died of ALS, who in his last appearance in Yankee Stadium said, I am the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And I feel that every day because the... Uh, pancreatic cancer statistics are just atrocious, and the fact that I'm here nearly four years after my surgery is a miracle, and I felt that I wanted to try to share my story in a way that was uh, uplifting and hopeful to people. So I started, I started this earlier in the year, um, and um, I am really happy with it. It means more to me, as you said, than all the other stuff I've done together. Uh, it hits hard to home for me and, uh, I've made it available at Amazon for 99 cents and 435 for a paperback, but I've also linked up with this e hyphen, uh, I'm sorry, um, this, uh, e marketing, uh, book, uh, company 
uh, to be able to give it away to free and for free. And I'm really thrilled to be able to do that. So because I want to, I want to give back and I'm a professional author. I've written so much that I felt that I had something to give, but I also realized that it was a different tone. I'm not writing to students. I'm not writing to my academic peers. I'm relating to my, uh, my, my neighbors, uh, who I include everybody who's been touched by cancer in some way. So it's written, it, it's jargon free. Uh, I tease myself in there a few times. And it's just, it's something I felt I had to say. And trust me, it's beautifully said. It's it's funny at times. It, and we're going to be picking up some, some pieces of it today. Let's start by doing that. So, Joel, when a person, when you got the cancer diagnosis and you knew that it would mean surgery and probably chemo after, what was the impact? How did you feel what lessons learned can we share from that? Well, first of all, I think that I'm like 99% of people who really don't know the specifics of various ailments until they or a loved one are afflicted with it. So mm-hmm. I really, I knew that pancreatic cancer was scary. I really had no idea what it was and what the ramifications were and what the mortality rate was. So I was kind of in a daze when I had first you know, had a CT scan, which showed this spot, and then went to a whole bunch of other doctors en route to having this, you know, eight and a half hour surgery. So I think in my case, it happened so fast. I was really lucky. My my endocrinologist, Joseph Tarana, and I always have to mention his name because he's the one that saved my life. Uh, Because I'm diabetic, I would get tested every uh, three months. And he saw this marker for a test called the Billy Rubin. And he immediately started the process. So from the time he first called me at 7.30 in the morning to say, I need you to go get a CAT scan, till I had the surgery, it was about a month. So I think that I was kind of in a, you know, in a total daze. My, fa- my family um, totally freaked out, though, uh, from the time that they heard about it. They were all, you know, convinced that I was on death watch. And I just didn't feel that way. I knew it was serious. I knew it was caught early. And I am a persistent, stubborn, uh, aggressive person who is going to go down fighting. So I never went going into the surgery, felt that I wasn't going to make it. But mm. yeah, it, when you hear the, the C word, no matter what, what it is, there's some level of scariness. And as I say, you know, I, I basically, I allowed myself one day to feel sorry for myself. And then I start preparing for, okay, what if this and what if this and that was the only time I ever felt sorry for myself because that I really believe that feeling sorry for yourself is counterproductive. It just makes you more depressed. Mm. So I, my goal was to find out everything I could uh, to help me. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, uh, I strongly recommend that people don't go nuts on the Internet because I ended up even watching a video on the Whipple surgery the week before. My God, mm-hmm. was that scary. I, I can I call myself an idiot for doing that. Mm-hmm. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, we want to use our doctors. We want to listen to them. We want to take good care of ourselves. We want to get tested. But we have to be very careful not to talk to our friends, which really don't, who really don't know anything. They're not medical professionals. And listen to the people who really know what they're doing. And I had a lot of confidence in the people 
that I was working with, they were the top of the field in all cases. Now, one thing that you did say uh, is, you know, no one knows about their specific cancer. And so our urge in this culture is to go right online. And you definitely say, oh, my God, too much information can really make you very, very terrified. So somewhere there has to be a balance with that. The other thing that you So as another example, besides seeing the Whipple surgery, is that you type in pancreatic cancer you know, has a really high mortality. So I would go into discussion boards where there were people who had pancreatic cancer were talking to one another. And they're devastating because, you know, they all were too late for surgery. They're all, you know, they've got a, you know, they've got a month to live. And I'm reading this and I'm saying, what, what am I doing? You know, mm. so we have to be careful to listen, to look for and listen to the professionals. You want to learn something, Go to the Mayo Clinic sign. Go to, go to the Johns Hopkins sign. Uh, site. Go to the Memorial Clone Kettering. But more importantly, talk to your doctors and don't be afraid. Early mm. diagnosis well, is the single biggest contributor to the fact that I'm alive now. All right. Now, one thing I want to say at this juncture, though, and in, in, you even say it in the book, and that is to have a diagnosis, and then we're going to talk about what you call the long and difficult stage that comes after surgery, to face that, if you're human, at times you're going to have negative thoughts. It goes with the territory. You couldn't be human and not. So I want us to make sure that we're letting people know there's times when you're going to feel down, there's times when you're going to have negative thoughts. But what Joel provides, and he offers an entire page on how to reduce some of those thoughts. It's accept that it's human, but everything from distractions to meditations, I mean, you really do throughout the book make us know that it's good to be upbeat and it's good to have plans, but sometimes they just don't work. And you've certainly lived through that also. Well, the biggest early thing that I had besides the reaction I had to the chemo is I did have a reaction to chemo and I had to stop one of the drugs and it, and it and it set me back from when I was planning to return to work. And that was a real downer because I had the surgery in February. Uh, the doctor had told me that I would be able to go back. And since I'm a college professor, I'm not, I don't have to be there the five days a week, that I could be back in six weeks. But within the six weeks, I turned out that I had really bad side effects with one of the chemos, got weak, had all kinds of side effects that I don't need to go into to get people, you know, all excited. And it turned out that, you know, my oncologist then said, you got to lay out the rest of the semester. You can't go back till September. You got to finish the chemo, which was in August. And, you know, that was, I was down about that. There's no question. But what I did, you know, so what was my solution? I had had two of my uh, fellow professors who were covering my classes, but I decided I would make up the exam. I would grade the term papers and I would have some, you know, productive use during this time when I really couldn't do very much. But was I mm. down? Absolutely. <clears throat> I, I think one of the things you shared is that <clears throat> one thing that actually helped you was sitting with other folks who were receiving chemo. And you mentioned to me that, that you became like a group. There was something soothing or, or very important about sharing that experience with other people, Joe. Yeah, this was, I kind of surprised myself at first. Uh, so the oncologist that I, that I, the office that I was going to was a pretty big facility. 
And it has several different rooms for chemo, ranging from like uh, two chairs to maybe eight. And in the smaller ones, they have TV sets and you're basically left alone. And I opted to go into the one with the group of eight people. Okay. And what happened is we, it'd be the same people all the time. Because we're all, you know, this is a six month process. You're not there for chemo one day and you're gone. And we'd start talking to one another. We'd see each other and we'd smile and we'd tell jokes and we would all say how we were doing. And it was done in a really, you know, upbeat manner. I felt while I was doing the chemo, I felt very close to them and, and they were the same. Because what you need is somebody who has a real understanding of what you're going through, both the physical and the emotional. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there were a couple of people from that that didn't make it and I felt sad. But I, I, if I had it to do over again, I would do the exact same thing because uh, I thought it was was fantastic because also the other thing about the chemo is not only is it is it not just one or two times but you're there for hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. so uh you know we're all bringing our lunch uh we're all yakking away uh if the, if somebody's got a significant other we're all you know sharing that together so uh linda my wife was surprised that i picked that at first and then she came to understand why i opted for that big room you know because she'd say why do you want to hear you know, other people's troubles, because that's not how it went. The people who were there weren't depressed. We're all the ones that are fighting, and we're looking forward mm. to living and doing everything we can to live. So that's why I found that, that being part of that group was very uplifting, inspiring. Mm. Now, it's it's important that you talked about um, your, your significant other, Linda, um, because one of the things that I wanted us to focus on for a moment are the caregivers. That is, it is very difficult for someone to watch the person they love facing pain and and fear and terror. And so very often the spouses, whether they're the uh, husband, wife, or whoever, they don't feel entitled to complain. And often they're quite alone with this journey. How did it work with you and your spouse? Well, there's no question that Linda has been more fearful from the time I got diagnosed to today than I have been. Um, She sees me. She saw me then. Uh, She was convinced that I wasn't necessarily going to make it, as were my kids. I was convinced that I was. Uh, She saw me lose all the weight, you know, lose most of my hair. She saw the side effects of me throwing up and incredible stomach pains that at one point I had to end up back in the hospital for a few days. So she saw all of that. And I think that it was, it was devastating. So she became almost afraid to leave the house, uh, just absolutely um, terrified. And I recognized that early on for all of them. So I do the best I could, and I mentioned in the book, I try to tell jokes, which could have been the worst jokes of all time, just to try to loosen things up. And mm-hmm. I tried to, you know, uh, reinforce with them uh, that I was upbeat and I was going to make it, and that after the surgery, whatever side effects I had, and I still have some, it's part of what I would call my new normal. It just is what it is. So every, mm-hmm. you know, month or so, I have some things that bother me. And then when they bother me and Linda sees it, she gets terrified of that. And I would say to her, you know, it's just part of what it is. You know, it's, it, I just have to ignore it. Um, 
and that's it. So I, I've tried as hard as I can um, to be compassionate, to to understand their viewpoint. And I have a chapter in the book on that, that it, you know, part of what happens is all your friends, okay, they're all asking, how's Joel doing? They come over to the house. How's right. Joel doing? They go <laughs> right, to the hospital. Right. How's Joel doing? And they, you know, typically would miss out on, how's Linda doing? Right, and, right. And Stacy, my younger daughter, who was set to have a wedding in several months later, um, she wanted to cancel the wedding right away. I said, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to walk you down the aisle. I'm going to do a toast. I'm going to dance with you. And, you know, there's no doubt. Because she, she, w- she was determined that they had to have a, uh, a bedside wedding within, a, you know, a month or so. And I said, no. And I, and I, I think I realized, you know, after the surgery, when the surgeon told me that I was so blessed because it was early and it wasn't um, anywhere, it hadn't spread at all, that he was able to get the tumor, he was able to clear around it, uh, it wasn't, uh, it hadn't spread to anywhere, and he said my prognosis was excellent. Okay. So um, I'm gonna, uh, I believed okay. him. Yeah, I'm going to have to stop but the you. the family didn't right believe back. him as much. You have to take a break. Okay, I just want to. I just want to say, Joel did attend that wedding, and 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 was beautiful. Um, we're going to take a break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Joel Evans. He's the author. This is his new and he feels the most important book: Surviving Cancer and Embracing Life: My Personal Journey. Remember that it's available free. There's a number of ways you can do it. To find it, one way is to literally type in ebooks hyphen and his name nope. or to, okay, it, um, I'll correct that next time around. Or just put in his name, okay. the name of the book, um, free, and you'll get all the Google links that will bring you to that book. Stay with us. We have much more to do. Thank you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best, and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune into Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. 
This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Joel Evans, author of his new book, Surviving Cancer and Embracing Life, My Personal Journey. It's available free if you put this in, free hyphen ebooks.net Joel Evans. Now, Joel, I wanted to be certain to go back to the caregivers for a moment because I think you were very aware of the impact it had on your spouse, Linda. I would say that in general and even from what we see in the, in the field, the caregiver needs support, whether it's an individual therapist, whether it's a group of other caregivers, this is a rough journey for caregivers, just as Joel described. So we want to let every one of them out there know this is a rough journey to go alone. And so outside caregivers and outside joining outside groups with caregivers can make a difference. Joe, one of the things you mentioned, and maybe it's just important to note, that having the goal of your beautiful daughter's wedding really was a very important factor in this journey in terms of healing. Absolutely. We, we had done, before the surgery, we had done all the heavy lifting in terms of the venue and uh, the caterer, the photographer, all of that stuff. But there were still things to do and look forward to. And... Um, you know, I was really determined that I was going to be there and not only be there, but that I was going to be an active participant. And that's one of the things when I would try to, you know, when I was going through the chemo, when I was having a really tough time the first month um, that I, uh, and I had the tough time more than the first month because I had, I had to have shots for low uh, white blood cells. I had to have shots uh, uh, for the liver. I had all, all kinds of stuff. But it's something that that I, I really believe that if a person is in a bad place, we have to replace the bad place with good thoughts. So I would think about, you know, the wedding and I would think about how much I was looking forward to it and the fact that I was going to be there and I was going to walk her down the aisle and the whole thing. So leading up to it, that was a major goal of mine. But then I did have setbacks. Uh, I finished my daughter's wedding was on uh, October 24th. 2015. So I'm here. Not only did I make the wedding, but I'm here three years past the wedding. Mm. Leading, my chemo ended, I believe, on August 29th. And I ended up in the, in the hospital the day of her bridal shower. There were people over at my house. And somehow or another, my blood sugar got too low. I don't know how, because I was being very careful. I passed out. I ended up in the hospital. I missed the shower. I ended up 
hurting my back, so I had to have uh, cement put in between two of my vertebrae. And when that happened, I'm now like just basically weeks from the wedding. But I'm still really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to starting back at Hofstra and teaching. And that is something that, that drove me there. The, the only other thing that got me down is when I went for the tuxedo and I looked at myself in the mirror and I saw what I looked like as I had lost probably 60 pounds. I didn't have most of my hair. And I said, oh, oh my God, because I guess it's the first time looking in the mirror with the tuxedo on that it really hit me. But mm. that's one thing I thought I'd be self-conscious about. But everybody I saw said, you look great. And I figured that's because they thought I would look worse. <laughs> so when we got to the wedding, it, it, was, it was incredible. I walked it down the aisle. I did the father-daughter dance. Uh, I did a toast. Um, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house because everybody knew what had gone on. And it was just an incredibly uh, memorable and fantastic uh, thing to look forward to but then the next day i had to get my adrenaline going back again so i had mm -hmm. to you know go back to teaching and some of the other things i was doing but boy was that a big motivator so i would say to anybody you know look in the short run and, and what are you looking forward to is it somebody's birthday party is it a holiday thing is it some kind of barbecue is it going out on your boat you know whatever it may be don't just dwell on god it's awful you know think about good alternatives Mm, terrific, that, that positive goal. Now now that you mentioned work, it's been my experience, Joe, with people who have been diagnosed and who take this journey, that often they're not quite sure how to tell people or they really hesitate telling people that they have cancer or that they, they, they're in the mid, that they've had chemo. Anywhere along the line, telling people is sometimes something that people struggle with particularly different people's reactions. Now, what did you find in terms of, did you hesitate telling people at work? Did you, did you have different or unexpected reactions? Uh, well, yes to the second one. I probably, okay, so I never, ever felt embarrassed or hiding or whatever. It's interesting because for, before this happened, in terms of my personal life, I mean, with all the writing I've done and the blogging, my personal life is my personal life. I don't talk about anything. But somehow, I really felt with this that I was blessed and that I needed to let other people know that you could survive from this. So whether it be my friends, whether it be my colleagues at work, I w was never, ever embarrassed. I surprised myself because my, the main blog I had before I started doing the cancer blog was one related to my field, which is marketing, and they would be strictly business topics. But I decided, you know what, you got to have a blog about, you know, having cancer and surviving it, an upbeat thing in that blog. And I was kind of amazed at myself that I did that because that's now really putting myself out to the entire world because uh, I'm, 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 you know, setting it up with LinkedIn and the blog and I'm tweeting it. So I, I never, I always, I, I felt that I was so lucky that I had to share that, that it's my obligation um, to give back and that whether I'm right or wrong, I view myself as a, as a different kind of role model now, that I'm the one that made it, that I have to prove that I'm worthy of being the one out of four or five who lives as long as I do with this dreadful disease. 
now? Were there people that have that avoided me at work and and as my friends? Absolutely. And I think that you know, for for a while, I was really aggravated with them. I was really upset that they, you know, these good friends uh, or good colleagues didn't want to interact with me. And then, you know, I finally came to the conclusion that it's because of their fear of hearing the C word and them almost maybe thinking it's contagious. Or if you think about it, maybe it could happen to me and that that's what kept them away. And, and just to, um, you know, basically uh, forgive and forget that they're just uh, reacting the way that they have to react. Mm-hmm. I think other people have said that it's so important. One of the things that you describe is that the road, although you and you're going to be sharing some of your rules for embracing life, the road has good goals. Sometimes the, the best laid plans don't quite work. I wonder if you would share some of the plans. I know you and, and your wife, Linda, made plans to vacation a number of times, and it didn't always work out. How do you manage to then want to go again and make another plan? Okay, I'd like to start with a very fast, funny story. So when I was in the... I used to do a lot of interviews for Fios One. Uh, they had a thing called Wall Street on Main Street or something like that. And they liked me, so we shoot, they come to my house and we shoot a whole bunch of five-minute clips. So we had set up in advance that I was gonna, they were going to come out and I was going to do um, six clips. And it was while I was having chemo. And that didn't bother me. But, of course, the day that they came out, that was one of the days that I was having a tough time with my white blood cells. So I had to drive from my house 45 minutes to the oncologist, get a shot, come back, change it into a jacket and tie. And then somehow I got through six different segments on six different topics. So I thought that was kind of funny. I hated mm-hmm. watching myself, though, because I thought I looked so emaciated and lost most of my ear. Now, in terms of of, uh, you know, Linda and I planning, we realized that uh, we have to be flexible. There have been a couple of times when we um, had planned out a vacation and then we ended up having to cancel it because I just wasn't feeling that great. And particularly the first year that we would make plans with our friends to go out to dinner or a movie or something on a Saturday night. And I just happened to be feeling really crappy and we had to cancel and what really bothered me is that was taking away part of, you know, Linda's social process that she then became locked in the house with me. But I, we have also gone on multiple vacations. We've gone to Mexico a couple of times. We went on a cruise uh, out of Amsterdam down to St. Petersburg and back. So we've done some good stuff. And we had done that like in 2016, 2017. Uh, January of 18. So this past summer, we had booked a uh, cruise of the British Isles. Uh, we started in Amsterdam, and then we're going around the British Isles. The third day of the trip uh, on the ship, I ended up feeling really sick. I was shaking and shivering and sweating like crazy. So they decided they had a. We were we were docking at uh, a port. And they decided that they had to take me off the ship and we had to um, go right away to the hospital. 
So it turned out that I was diagnosed with uh, double pneumonia, which means I had it in both lungs, and sepsis. So I ended up in uh, intensive care for six days. Linda had to run back to the ship, get the bags, find the hotel, then come and, you know, visit me every day. She was in an environment where she had none of her network because we're not home, we're away. And then after I got out of the hospital for 10 days, I then had a, uh, the doctor said, you got to stay here for five more days to build up your strength. And it took me about two months until um, I felt like I wasn't out of breath every five minutes. So, you know, after that, Linda says, we're not traveling anywhere. And I said, yes, we are. We're going to travel again. You can't travel. I said, you know, I have one life to live. However I am and whatever happened this summer, I'm going to treat it as the luck of the draw. We went on other trips. And, you know, I'm the healthiest I'm going to be. You know, I'm 70 years old now. I'm feeling pretty well. We have to travel. We just have to figure it out. In the meantime, I, before we had gone on that trip, my, my life uh, bucket list was to go from New York to Australia and New Zealand. And as, <laughs> the day we got back, I canceled all of those pieces because I realized then how stupid that was. But we're going to travel again. And we may go okay. back to Europe again and do a, you know, do a tour of Ireland or uh, you know, something well, else. Joe, so I think we have to put islands, in something uh, really important January. Joe? So, I, you know, I, I, it, what I have to do is I have to persuade Linda because she worries more than I, I do. I am determined okay. that I am going to not lock myself in the house. Okay. So for all the caregivers out there, I think they need to know there's another small part of this that, or a big part of this that we didn't mention yet. While you were in the hospital and all, all going through all that for so many days, your spouse somehow people were reached out to her and she became the person everyone in Waterford Ireland wanted to help invite to dinner take care of she, she hit so it off it's with amazing the owner of the hotel and the front office staff and they treated her great but i have yes. to tell you i physically this whole experience was much worse for me psychologically it was much much worse for linda cuz she come to the hospital she'd go back to the hotel they invited her all over the place she did almost nothing because she just didn't feel it so she was depressed she was worried she was worried on the plane home that's a seven hour ride um so i think that it, it was really hard on her so every day she came to the hospital i told her how much i loved her and how i never loved her more and that i realized you know what she was going through that it wasn't just me going through this, it was right. us. And right. I made sure every single day and on the way home and after we got home. And when we got okay. home, um, it had been her birthday, so I got her a much more substantial present than I would have <laughs> for you know normally for this particular birthday. Okay. And it was mostly because I wanted to express to her my appreciation. Okay, we're going to have to take a break, but I think we would say you both were major survivors in different kinds of ways, in a way that in, in somehow you spun straw into gold and came out of this together. Let's take a break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Joel Evans, who's really giving us the inside story of surviving cancer and embracing life. His book is available if you type in free-ebooks.net. 
Joel Evans. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you think about what you really want? Are you looking to change or perfect your environment, your value, your life? We can help. Tune in to Everyday News with the Blantons. Hosted by husband and wife team Mark and Dr. Latasha Blanton, our program will help you find the answers to make the changes in your life with inspiring guests that can help you find your sense of place in the world and how you view it. Listen live every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Joel Evans, the author of his new book, Surviving Cancer and Embracing Life, My Personal Journey. We're going to be hearing some of the rules for enhancing and embracing life after cancer and all the bumps in the road that follow. But before that, I just wanted to share... Some of the things that I enjoyed most in this book, and I think you will, are quotes from uh, from everyone from Helen Keller to Clint Eastwood. They're they're sprinkled mm-hmm. throughout the book as as is a number of passages that uh, provide suggestions that are evidence based. Pictures of the different hats that Joel wears to keep himself up and to embrace happiness. So it's an unexpected, very special book that really parallels his journey. So, Joel, give us a little bit of of that book. Give us some of your rules for embracing life on this journey. Okay, first of all, I need to to react to 
you're saying Clint Eastwood, because people could say Clint Eastwood, he has a great quote, which is, a man has to know his limitation. And I have taken that really to heart, and I think everybody does, is that I, as I've gone through this journey, that I realize what I can and can't do. And I refuse to be down or depressed about the things I can't do. I choose to be up for the things that I can do. I can still exercise. I've never missed a day of work since I've been back. I've been able to travel. So, you know, know your limitations, but don't let them lead you. Good. Um, I also believe that love and interpersonal relationships are really important. I think a a large part of me uh, getting through this as well as I have is that I have uh, an unbelievably phenomenal wife, Linda. I have two daughters and their respective spouses, uh, uh, Stacy and Adam and Jennifer and Phil, and they have been, you know, above and beyond in terms of the way they treated me. So I think we need to seek out the relationships that are kind of mutual, where we could share with one another. And, you know, I have one great friend who's now in California, and we talk all the time. And he's had his physical problems, and I've had mine. And do we complain to each other? No. We talk about what we're doing that's good. Um, Mm. Maybe the most important lesson uh, that I could give to people who are fearful, the people who are fearful, is see your doctors regularly get tested for a range of possible disorders at least once a year. Don't avoid going to the doctor because you fear what he may may say. An early diagnosis can make a difference. I'm alive today because I went every three months and had a whole battery of tests with my endocrinologist since I was diabetic for almost 25 years now. He saw something he didn't like and immediately started the journey. There's virtually no one that I know who has contracted pancreatic cancer in the time since I had my surgery, who was able to have the surgery because they were diagnosed too late. So please, if you feel something, you know, that doesn't feel right in your body, whether it's chills or itches or whatever it is, go to the doctor. Please get yourself tested. And once the doctor diagnoses you, don't take what they tell you as a suggestion, take it as a requirement. I saw my endocrinologist uh, about a month ago, and we were just talking because we've become really friends over the last number of years that I've been seeing him. And we were talking about the fact of how many people that he sees that he gives prescriptions for and that they don't renew it after six months. And somehow they're living in some dream world that diabetes is going away and they don't need the medications. You, you got to listen to your doctor. You have to, you have to um, you know, pay attention to what they say. If you do get depressed or down or anxious, see a mental health professional. Psychologists are great in helping somebody cope, whether it's a PTSD situation or whether it's a, a, a health situation. Um, I've been going, as have my wife, for a very long period of time, and it is, you know, extremely um, helpful. Um, going back to doctors again, I think we have to screen our doctors. It used to be that we would get a doctor, and we go and see them, we'd wait in their office an hour and a half. They had a gruff demeanor. We just accept that, and we come back. 
Well, we don't need to do that anymore because most doctors get it that it's, it, it's the empathy and feeling for their patient and, and timing appointments better uh, that really matters. So when I was looking for an oncologist, which is the, 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 the specialty that was going to be doing uh, the chemo, the person who had the highest recommendation and the best credentials had the worst personality, and he was the one that was basically telling me I had less than a 50-50 chance of making my daughter's um, a wedding, okay? And I looked at him and I said, why are you telling me this? And he says, well, it's based on research. I said, I'm a researcher. What research? So he's citing a study from 30 years ago with 100 people, none like me, and he's telling me I'm going to die. So I walked out of there and I said, if he was the last doctor in the world, I'm not going to go to him. So the oncologist that I ended up with is great. He didn't tell me, I guarantee you're going to live. He said, I'm going to do everything I can to give you the best quality of life for as long as we could do it. He didn't sugarcoat anything. So I think that's important. Mm. Um, I think that there, there, there are many times when we feel alone, whether we're in the hospital or we're home and, you know, if we're living with somebody, they're out to work or if we're living by ourselves, we're alone, and that's when we start to have the demons that uh, we start thinking about. So think about alternative things you can do. Listen to music. Uh, listen to meditation tapes. And they're not all, you know, these wild things. A lot of them are just, you know, soothing. Think of things that you could do that could make you feel better. One of the things that I have done is that on my computer, my screensaver is a rotation of all the digital photos that I have in my computer. So I have a lot, so I never know when I go back to my office what I'm going to see. But it could be Linda and me on a vacation. It could be one of my daughters when they were two years old. It could be almost anything. But as soon as I see it, I feel better. So look for things that you could do that will help you feel better. And try, and this is hard to, you know, when I'm losing all that weight, I'm losing my hair, our self-esteem goes down. We have to keep, we have to remember we are the same person. We are just fighting to get our way through this disease. We should keep our self, positive self-image and not be so down on ourselves. We need to treat ourselves well. And uh, we also should think if we've got a favorite health organization, make a donation. Because the only way that the, that the rates of cancer are going to go down and other ailments is through research, and research has to be funded. Thank you. I, I think they're wonderful, and I love, in particular, holding on to that positive self, self-esteem and self-image. And one of the things that you actually are doing, being on the show today, your blog, the book, I think one of the things that really helps us when we face the unspeakable in life is to find a purpose you believe in, especially one that touches other people. And I certainly think that's what you're doing, Joe. But the whole idea of having a purpose gives you a reason to get up every morning and a reason to believe that if I'm too sick to teach or too sick to now work whatever job you have, it could be a small purpose. It could be sitting with grandchildren and reading books. It could, it could be helping other people by a phone conversation. Whatever it happens to be, you both deserve the pur- 
purpose. It enhances who you are, and it means you touch other people, and inevitably, you get what you give. I think so much of your connection, Joel, I, I, you, you somehow manage not to stop giving, and I think that makes a really big difference. One of the things uh, well, that... It makes, see, I'm, I'm giving, I believe, as much for me as I am for the people I'm yes. giving to, because it makes yes. me feel so great. Yes, and that giving, it doesn't have to be in writing, and it doesn't have to be elaborate. It literally can be small things every day. In the end, in this journey from cancer, small is big. And I, I know from what you've shared and what people will read in the book, you very much underscore that, because just hearing the song you like or seeing a picture on your computer has given you a lift, and that's what we're talking about in terms of... Live life, live life every day. Don't mm-hmm. throw away any days. Right. I, Joe, I want to thank you for sharing your story, and most importantly, for your message to embrace life. What's a take-home message that you want to share with our listeners? Well, probably the best uh, m- mantra that I have in, in the book is to... My goal, my, my number one goal is to live as long as I can, as well as I can. It's the both of them together. I want to live well. I'm not prepared to fade away, you know? So I think to live as long as you can, as well as you can. So I am determined to do everything my doctors tell me to do and everything that I know that's healthy for me, whether it be exercising, getting out and volunteering, whatever it may be, doing interviews on radio shows, Um, I want to live a good life. Travel. I want to travel. Thank you. I want to mention how to get Joel's book again. It's free-ebooks.net. Joel Evans, um, Surviving Cancer and Embracing Life, His Personal Journey. I want to thank you again, Dr. Evans. It's been a pleasure. I think you've touched many people out there. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this or any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone or iTunes, on SketchUp. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohost at gmail.com. Until next week, please take care. Thanks. Live well every day and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week.